Today's Judgment Day. I'm coming for all my receipts. <laughs> I got a, I got names on oh, my list, and this. I am checking it twice. I, I got this. y'all right now. But before I do, before we get into that, I just want to highlight something that's very important, something that just came to my mind before we get into sports. Today is Martin Luther King Day, and I just want to shout out a few things, you know, a few things that ran through my mind. You know, we, we have come of for, course. you know, um, not everything is where it needs to be. I just want to say that point and clear. You know, there's still racism that, that goes on in America, systemic racism, whether it's in real estate, whether it's the hiring process, but we have made strides and I hope that we continue to make strides. You know, we're in a pandemic right now. Um, and just think about how the pandemic affected everybody, white, black, yellow, orange, right? And think about how we as African-Americans was in a pandemic before the pandemic. So think about how we feel right now as well. You know, so I just want people to just take time to be grateful for what they have and what they were born with, because not everybody can be able to access these things and have that same type of lifestyle. And I'm gonna keep it a buck. We live in two Americas. We don't live in the same America. You know, we may live it there physically, but we all know the rule doesn't apply to the same people. You know, we saw what happened in the Capitol Hill and all that foolishness, all that garbage. All right, we know. So let us not act like it don't exist. Let's make light of it and figure out how we can come together. Black, white, American, I mean, yellow, whatever. We all got to come together. So with that being said, let's get back to football. I'm ready to get this daggone show started. Yeah, boys, what's going on? I just wanted to say, Will, that was perfectly said. Great job. And I feel like when you look at Martin Luther King Day and everything that day represents, it's just so, it's a, it's a special day. And I feel like as a show recording on Martin Luther King's Day, we're doing whatever we can to honor his legacy. And I feel like, you know, on this show, it represents really well all the stuff he would want uh, to go on in today's America. So I just hope uh, both everyone's doing well. Hope everyone enjoyed the weekend of football. And uh, yeah, let's get to it. Yeah, I just want to say, Lil, that was incredibly well said. Respect to you and everything you said was pure facts. Happy Martin Luther King Day. That's my apology. I should have opened with that. It's been a long ass day and we just we were, we were chomping at the bit to get into this, but obviously that needed to come first. So thank you for that, Lil. Ladies and gentlemen, the huddle is a place where your leader galvanizes your squad to go out and get the task at hand accomplished. On this show, what is promised is the truth and personality that you will get from host Kenny C and The Real Lil. So sit back, relax, and remember, what happens in the huddle stays in the huddle. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for yet another episode of In the Huddle, episode 88. And we're fired up and ready to get in here because the divisional round of the NFL playoffs just concluded yesterday. Some huge games, all four games, the whole slate was outstanding. By far, some of the most exciting games we've seen in a while. Fellas, how we doing? I'm doing good, man. I can't complain. Last night... We already know. We already know what, what day today is. Today is Judgment Day. I'm coming for all my receipts. <laughs> I got a, I got names on oh, my list. And this. I am checking it twice. I ain't checking please it twice. I, I got this. y'all right now. But before I do, before we get into that, I just want to highlight 
something that's very important, something that just came to my mind before we get into sports. Today is Martin Luther King Day, Junior Day, and I just want to shout out a few things, you know, a few things that ran through my mind. You know, we, we have come far. Of course. You know, um, not everything is where it needs to be. I just want to say that, point and clear. You know, there's still racism that, that goes on in America, systemic racism, whether it's in real estate, whether it's the hiring process, but we have made strides and I hope that we continue to make strides. You know, we're in a pandemic right now. Um, and just think about how the pandemic affected everybody, white, black, yellow, orange, right? And think about how we as African-Americans was in a pandemic before the pandemic. So think about how we feel right now as well. You know, so I just want people to just take time to be grateful for what they have and what they were born with, because not everybody can be able to access these things and have that same type of lifestyle. And I'm gonna keep it a buck. We live in two Americas. We don't live in the same America. You know, we may live it there physically, but we all know the rule doesn't apply to the same people. You know, we saw what happened in the Capitol Hill and all that foolishness, all that garbage. All right, we know. So let us not act like it don't exist. Let's make light of it and figure out how we can come together. Black, white, American, I mean, yellow, whatever. We all got to come together. So with that being said, let's get back to football. I'm ready to get this daggone show started. Hey, gentlemen, just want to say happy Monday to all you guys, man. (laughs) What a great weekend of football this past weekend. Can't wait to talk some football with you guys this evening. And, hey, happy Martin Luther King Day. Yeah, boys, what's going on? I just wanted to say, Will, that was perfect. We said great job. And I feel like when you look at Martin Luther King Day and everything that day represents, it's just so it's – a, it's a special day. And I feel like as a show, recording on Martin Luther King's Day, we're doing whatever we can to honor his legacy. And I feel like, you know, on this show, it represents really well all the stuff he would want uh, to go on in today's America. So I just hope uh, both uh, everyone's doing well. Hope everyone enjoyed the weekend of football. And, uh, yeah, let's get to it. Yeah, I just want to say, Lil, that was incredibly well said. Respect to you and everything you said was pure facts. Happy Martin Luther King Day. That's my apology. I should have opened with that. It's been a long ass day and we just we were we were chomping at the bit to get into this, but obviously that needed to come first. So thank you for that, Lil. And without further ado, we will get into the first topic. More impressed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 30 to 20 win over the Saints or more disappointed in the Saints in that game? Uh, I'm gonna take the stab at this first, y'all. Um listen. We got to be impressed with this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. We have to. I mean, look, there's not a lot of times that I don't have faith in my team, right? But there have been two times in the history of me being a fan of the GOAT that you see on this wall that I have been nervous entering a playoff game where I felt that our chances was a little bit dim. That was yesterday's game and the Patriots against the Chiefs against Pat Mahomes on the road when we had to go in the arrowhead and beat them in order to get to the Super Bowl. Those were the two times I felt like, eh, I don't know. I'm trying to keep the faith because stylistically, if there's any team that we didn't want to play headed into this matchup, it was the New Orleans Saints. I don't care about their playoff roles in the past. In the past, I don't care that they choke in playoff games before. I know that they still have talent on that team, no matter how you look at it, no matter how you slice it, no matter how you dice it. They was a matchup nightmare. We saw what they did to us two times this year. So we had to put on our grown man cape and we had to go in the Superdome and handle our business. And that's exactly what we did. Listen, the running game, I'm going to start off with them first. The running game was good. Leonard Fournette, wow. 
he showed up. The last couple of weeks he has shown up. Him and Rojo gave you a one-two punch. You know, Leonard Fournette, 65 yards on the ground with three catches for 44 yards and a touchdown. He finally know how to catch the daggone football as well. Rojo, explosive. But the main thing, the main side of the board that we do have to be impressed with is that Buccaneers defense because they made the daggone plays to win the game. Michael Thomas, did he miss his flight or something? Can somebody tell me if that brother missed his flight? You know, did you know, or matter of fact, they was already in New Orleans. Did he go on vacation? Did he get kidnapped? I don't know. Because the brother had zero catches. Courtney Davis was on that brother, put him in check like Nike. All right. You know when Drew Brees scored a touchdown? When Courtney Davis was hurt on a play and was on the bench in the tent. That's when Drew Brees scored. Now, I'm gonna leave it with this. The game started off poorly. Special teams, I was saying to myself, uh oh. All right, we we went three and out on the first drive. They get down the field on the short field twice. But our defense held up our end of the bargain, gave us a chance to win the game. And we all know Tom Brady, his clutchiness, what he can do. He lived for these moments. And once again, the GOAT did it again. But it came with the help of the other side of the ball. Shout out to the defense. I'm more impressed with the Buccaneers. Yeah, well, I have to agree 100%. And it's funny because watching this game, it's, it's crazy. Like, this was literally the exact narrative that I described both of these teams with in the preseason. I thought that uh, part of the reason why I was so excited about the Buccaneers before the season started was because I saw what this defense was able to do last year. And I saw they were the best running uh, defense in the league last year year I saw some of the kids they drafted including the kid Winfield who made the big play last night and I thought you include that along with Tom Brady bringing him in obviously in the weapons they had you know I thought that was a really good mix you combine that with the fact that I was not a Drew Brees believer going into the season I remember in the summer we were having uh, these discussions about how I just didn't know if Drew Brees would be able to make enough plays in order to get the Saints over the top and the Saints they deserve credit because they went all in. They really tried their best to get whatever they could out of Drew Brees. They won the division. Great job there. But I'm impressed with this Buccaneer team, man. And the main thing for me is that if you would have said before the game that Antonio Brown and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Gronk even, like, what did those guys have? Like, a combined six catches? They really didn't do much. And if you would have told me that before the game, I would have thought, wow, like, are the Buccaneers going to be able to win this game? And I didn't even love their play calling either. I don't think there was one uh, first down last night where they even ran the, where they threw the ball, but they were able to get that running game going and shout out to the defense and Todd Bowles as a jet guy. I've never been a huge Todd Bowles fan, but at the same time, when you look at this Buccaneers defense, man, they stepped up, they made it, uh, the plays they needed to make and they deserve a lot of credit. Now, in terms of the saints, uh, it was a very limited offensive performance. I think it was a complete team effort from the Bucks. Brady and his performance put them over the top. It wasn't his, you know, most special playoff performance ever, but he made enough plays uh, to win. And I was impressed that in order to win the game, it wasn't the guys that you would have necessarily expected to step up, like your Evans, like your Gronks. But Devin White was all over the uh, all over the place. Winfield had that big turnover. Uh, Carlton Davis, big big plays. Murphy Bunting had a couple nice breakups as well. Uh, and I'm impressed with Tampa Bay, man. Great effort. <clears throat> yeah, man. Um, kick it right off here. So my answer first is both, but I'm leaning more obviously on the uh, impressed with the Bucks, and I'll tell you that why later when I get into the disappointment with the Saints. And it's very small, but yeah, man, the Bucks. I mean, they came out and they showed you that the pass blocking is what it was against the against the Washington Football Team, and it is what it is now because it had a great game against one of the better pass rushes in the league. Um, New Orleans was not able to get to Brady virtually very, very little, virtually at all. 
Um, I also really like how they got the running backs involved heavily. Like Leal said, Fournette, I mean, he had an outstanding breakout game. It's been a while for that man. Um, and like you said, Leal, as well, with receiving the football, he did a great job. And that's Brady's style, too, you know, like get the quick check down, quick short passes to his backs, and Fournette was able to get implemented very well um, in their defense. I mean, that's the biggest standout for me for a team that got blown out by the Saints in the regular season, that last regular season game. They had a hell of a bounce back. Bowles finally got his head out of his ass and didn't call zone the entire game like he did the first time or the second time. And he actually manned up, like you said. Um, Carlton Davis shut down Michael Thomas. That was shocking to me. Also, I'd just like to throw a shot at Jared Cook. I mean, you you need to get, like, cut from the team because this guy's <laughs> been dropping balls left and right throughout the season. Obviously, what the hell are you doing not holding on to that ball after you get the first down? No security at all there. Gets stripped by the rookie. Real good play. And all in all, I mean, the defense dialed up a better scheme than Peyton's offense. And it really showed. And the Bucks, they are when their defense showed flashes throughout the season. Like they had really good games, and then they kind of like dialed down and you know disappeared for a little bit. But they showed that you know it's playoff time, and they could bring the heat. Now my disappointment was simply in, in the fact that Drew Brees, like he had he was having a pretty solid year before the Week Ten injury, and then you throw in the fact that this is literally his last game, last game in the NFL and in the dome. With fans in the stadium, I did not think that Breeze would come out and play that bad of a game. We all knew the rib injury affected him, but we didn't know that it would do this much. I mean, they just looked flat out lost on offense, couldn't get anything going. Kamara was getting shut down, and Michael Thomas got shut down. Just nothing was going right for that offense, and the Bucks had a, a real good game. I mean, I'm just going to piggyback off you guys, you know, damn, pretty damn impressed with the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Solely because, you know, the third time, you know, the third time they had to prove a point. I like the fact that, you know, the offense was pretty balanced yesterday, you know, 127 on the ground, 199 on the air. Um, you know, the difference maker in this game was the um, pass protection for the Buccaneers. Brady was only sacked was only sacked once yesterday, and I was pretty happy. You know, the previous two meetings, Brady was sacked a total of six times, and he threw five you know five interceptions. And yesterday he had um not, yeah yesterday he only had zero interceptions. So I believe that was the difference makers there. And also too, man, big shout out to that defense, man. You know, causing three turnovers. Uh, also too, you know, like I said, they just bounced back. You know, from their previous two losses and I'm just happy that you know they're heading to their first NFC championship since 2002. I just want to say too <clears throat> another thing that this whole matchup reminded me of I don't know if y'all guys are WWE fans but I am you know I grew up watching the <laughs> WWE before I actually became a sports fan to be honest with you but um there was a matchup in Wrestlemania with my favorite wrestler of all time Sean Sweet Chin Music Michaels the yes, heart kid and you too, right, Kenny? See, that's my Hell boy. Hell yeah, bro. My favorite wrestler, the GOAT. I not not Ric Flair. I know which one you're talking about. That's okay. that's one too. That's one too. Okay. That's a good example okay. too. But it was one where he fought the Undertaker. And it uh -huh. was a streak versus career match, right? Undertaker had that WrestleMania streak. Shawn yeah. Michaels, it, his career was on the line. This matchup between Breeze and Brady reminded me of that because we all knew it was going to be Breeze's last game. So had he won, he would have been able to see another week of football. And we all know Tom Brady's wonderful streak in the playoffs, obviously 14 and two, um, a 14 and two record in the playoffs, which is like a whole regular season worth of playoff matches against Drew Brees, the icon that Drew Brees is, you know, one of the greatest of all time that Drew Brees is. 
And to see that matchup, it was kind of like that. It reminded me of a career versus street match. But look, I just want to highlight the um. Well, one more thing too. The Buccaneers, they got they got hot at the right time, you know. And everybody wanted them to click early, click early, right? You know, you got all this talent, you know, put it together early. But the team that wins championships or teams that get hot at the right time, not teams that regress leading on into the playoffs, limping to the playoffs, but get hot at the right time where, you know, they're unstoppable the last couple of games and they take that momentum into the playoffs. Not to mention, they got healthier since then. And Vita Vea, their best defensive tackle, I heard, is going to be back after fracturing his leg against the Packers. So you talk about getting W's outside of the game, they're getting their W um, and their Christmas gift, a little late Christmas gift. But let's focus on the Saints here a bit. I do believe that the Saints is right up there with the Steelers. Those are the two teams that I feel like in this past decade, right, that are teams that had all the talent in the world that should have won another championship. And it's a failure to the Saints because they had their heartbreak. And it just shows two things. Number one, yeah, you can put it on the Saints too. You know, some of it has to do with that last year. They had no excuse to lose that game. But it also highlights a point that it's so hard to win in the NFL. Think about the Super Bowls that Tom Brady lost, the helmet catch, you know, Super Bowls that he barely won. It's just so hard to win football games. So that's another part that I really think that we need to highlight too and not just push the Saints and make them feel like they're not worth anything. They had great teams. They still got a great team, I believe, with Drew Brees retire, with Jameis Winston if they decide, if they decide to give him that contract. But it is hard to win in the NFL, and it was proven last night once again. Yeah, that's a really good point, Will. I remember uh, going on this show before the season started and saying that I thought Sean Payton was an overrated coach. And I've said the same thing about Mike Tomlin, and I know I've been criticized a lot for that. And for the record, I'm not – Sean Payton's game plan was fine. I I didn't think he had any – a real reason to do with uh, how the Saints lost last night. But I agree, man. Like, I feel like there are going to be a lot of Saint fans that in 10 years, they're going to look back at the Breeze and Peyton era and say, wow, like we won one Super Bowl in 2010 and that's it. And I feel like we're going to get into the Packers a little bit later. I feel like if the Packers and Aaron Rodgers only retire with one Super Bowl, it's uh, kind of a similar thing. But I agree, Lil, you're right. The fact that Tom Brady uh, has played in, what is this going to be now, 14 uh, championship games throughout his career, that's super impressive. And it is so hard to win in the NFL, especially at this age. Like, you're watching that game last night. Tom Brady looked like a guy that had plenty of football left and can't say the uh, same thing about Drew Brees. So that shows you how impressive that effort was. Yeah, man, the Saints, it's it's a heartbreak because they got robbed for two straight years and then they just didn't show up against Minnesota. And, you know, Leo, that that point comes to fruition perfectly because it is really hard to win in the NFL, especially when you have two things happen like that and then you just flat out get beat by Minnesota and then now you go into this game and Breeze looks like he has absolutely no gas left. It's just – it's a heartbreak for New Orleans and I love Breeze, so – it's unfortunate to not see him get another ring, but um, with that being said, another heartbreak is for the city of Cleveland. The Cleveland Browns, man, lose to the Kansas City Chiefs 22-17. to Cam. Anything is possible. Just <laughs> want to say, man, shout out to that guy named Ch- Chad Henney. Came in there. No, they didn't know that he was going to play yesterday, you know, despite Patrick Mahomes leaving the game in the third quarter with a concussion, came in there. And in my opinion, despite only throwing that 
awful interception to Carl Joseph in the back of the end zone. I'm the type of that he came in there. He still played calm with poise, and he managed to, you know, seal the game, you know, lead, you know, lead his chief team to a victory to the AFC Championship next weekend. Also, too, what I love was the defense, man. The chief defense had one of the worst rush defense in the league, but yesterday, you know, they did an outstanding job holding to – holding Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb to 19 carries and for for only 101 yards. You get what I mean? So, you know, the chief defense did an outstanding job. And overall, man, shout out to that whole team playing with urgency, playing for Patrick Mahomes. You know, he left the game with a concussion. You know, one of their star players leave the game like that. I just felt like, you know, they just did this rally behind him and make sure that, hey, no matter what, we're going to win this game for Mahomes. So shout out to that chief team. Shout out to Chai Haney. Shout out to everybody on that chief organization. What would you say is your biggest takeaway, Cam? Because I don't, I don't I mean, think I missed that. Oh, the biggest takeaway for me was that um, that fourth and inches call um, in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter. I didn't ex- expect Andy Reid to actually, you know, be gutsy like that and, you know, catch Cleveland off guard and throw that rollout pass to Tyreek Hill to seal the game. That was my biggest takeaway right there. Yeah, I, I, thought knew, that- I, I knew he was going for that. I, I, I know Andy Reid, man. Andy Reid is aggressive guy. I don't think but, anyone in America did. Yeah, I ain't sorry. Yeah, no, no, that, that was I absurd. Did. I, 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 I guess absurd. I'm psychic. I, I knew yeah. he was going to do that. Oh, wow, I, I, knew, I, knew, I knew it. Everybody thought that was a hard count. Yeah, nah, hard count. Nah. Nah. Andy Reid is aggressive. No, Andy Reid is aggressive. Right. You're telling me you expected them to pass on Yes. I knew everybody was going to play for the run. I knew everybody was gonna play for the run, so he was Nobody gonna try we gonna to hike get the ball. Look, if y'all if y'all that watched the game count. with me last night, you see that's that's yeah. the unfortunate that we not together while these games come on. You know, because if you watched the game with me, I would have I would have told you I'd have been like, watch, watch is gonna be a, a play action pass to Tyreek Hill because he's <laughs> well, gonna want to get. You should have reached out to Vegas, my man. Yeah, well, you should I, reached, I really should. Put a bet down. Yo. I should be betting on a lot of things that I'll be calling on this show, you know? But, you know, I ain't get paid for it. It's just for the love of the, of the sport and the love of the show. But my biggest takeaway is that, you know, reflecting on that call, the game came down to the gamble between yeah. Andy Reid and Kevin Skafanski. Because let's not forget, right? We can all put it on the, the crucial, controversial call where David Njoku caught the ball, was reaching towards the goal line, only to have the ball knocked out. And that was a terrible call. It should have been helmet to helmet. We all know that. But yeah, no shit. The referees have been getting all this wrong, you know, throughout the playoffs. You know, the referees have been garbage. So let's keep it real. So, you know, that's not my biggest takeaway. But the gamble. When Kevin Skafanski had the ball, trailing 22 to 17 with four minutes left in the game, you know, a fourth and nine, he decided to punt. Now, I know in hindsight, you're probably like, Lil, why would you go for it? It's because I know what the Chiefs are. The Chiefs are a team that once you give them an opportunity to put you away and take you behind that shed, they're going to put you out of your daggone misery. I know that for a fact. And even though Pat Mahomes was hurt and you got a backup quarterback, I still believe in the play calling of Andy Reid. I'm very consistent with what I have to say. We all know Pat Mahomes is a great quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks, probably arguable, the best quarterback in the NFL right now. That's up for debate. But I know a big part of his success is Andy Reid's play calling. And that's something that you can take with you. And I knew he was going to try to get the ball into the hands of his playmakers, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. So if you're Kevin Skafanski, you're looking at the clock, it's four minutes left to go in the game. 
you may want to go for it because you never know if you're going to get the ball back. You know, that's something that you don't know for sure, especially with the success that the Kansas City Chiefs had in those moments against the Saints. They went for it on, on, on fourth down, ended the game. Against the Buccaneers, they went for it on fourth down and won the game. Against the Dolphins, they had similar situations where they put them out. So they've been there before. They're going to take that gamble. Andy Reid has won a Super Bowl. He's prone to take more risks. So that's why I know he was going to take that risk. So it came down to the gamble. Andy Reid took the gamble. And guess what? The Chiefs are in the AFC Championship game against the Buffalo Bills. That's my biggest and, takeaway. And my, my biggest takeaway is pretty similar to that in the sense that my narrative appears yet again from a take I made weeks ago and that the Kansas City Chiefs will find a way to beat you one way or another, even with Chad Henney coming in, which after the pick he threw, everyone was on the edge of their seat like, holy cow, is Cleveland going to win this game? The Chiefs said, no, they're going to find a way to get this win with Andy Reid at the helm. And Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy can beat you in a multitude of ways on offense. We all know about those ways. And the way that they won this one was perhaps the best of the season, one of the best of Andy, Andy Reid's career, because you're at the 50-yard line, there's less than two minutes go to go. There's like a minute 30 or less. And everybody's thinking hard count. They're just going to do a hard count, punt the ball, let the Chiefs defense take care of the rest and see if Baker can, can lead a drive. But Andy Reid does a rollout to the right with Chad Henney, who's played one game in week 17 mm -hmm. and throws the ball to Tyreek Hill to seal the damn deal. This team is dangerous because they can beat you any which way. Yeah, so – Will and I have actually been on the same page in terms of the Chiefs on the opposite side of Kenny C over the last couple of weeks saying that in the NFL, it shouldn't be that easy to just flip a switch. And I do believe watching the Kansas City Chiefs over the past couple of weeks of the regular season, they looked bored. And I was super impressed yesterday that Mahomes, uh, he was limping a little bit throughout the game, even before he got out with the concussion. And like, it was too easy, man. Like, the Browns aren't the best defense, but they have some guys on that defense. And before he got hurt, every drive was just boom, boom, boom. It was way too easy. And that's when the Browns knew that he was going to be targeting uh, Kelsey and targeting Tyreek Hill. Now, here's my only issue. I've been a huge Kevin Stefanski supporter throughout the season, right? If I had a vote for Coach of the Year, he would get my vote. But my main issue is, in this game, the Cleveland Browns, I thought, did a really good job, especially after Mahomes got hurt, of trying to get their way back in. You guys mentioned the call that didn't go their way, but I liked how really throughout the game, Kevin Stefanski was like, look, this is the playoffs. If it's fourth and less than five, odds are I'm going to be going for it. And on that late drive that you guys are referencing to, so he went for it on fourth and one, I believe from like his own 15, his own 20. So right. they get the first down. And then this is my main problem. Trailing in the fourth quarter with a trip to the AFC Championship game on the line. Because also, let's face facts. We'll give... Uh, props to Chad Henney. He, he did a great job. But I, if Mahomes doesn't leave the game, I don't think this game is particularly close. So Cleveland caught a little bit of a break there to even get a chance. But with a chance to go to the AFC Championship game on the line, Cleveland on first and 10 runs the ball, loss of one. Second and 11, running back pass, incomplete. And by the way, here's a, a totally separate point. Could any road running back playing this week catch a football? J.K. Dobbins, drop. Um, yeah, you know, every, uh, just drop. Drop. every uh, running back playing on the road could not catch the ball. And then on third and 11, they passed to a running back for two yards and then they punt. And then that was the game. I feel like any uh, Cleveland Brown fan saying, oh, Baker, if he got the ball back, we would have won that game. They had their chance and they blew it. And yeah, that was not a given. Oh, so, oh go ahead. 
Yeah, I, I just want to say also, um, I agree with what Cam mentioned about the Chiefs defense, man. I feel like that's one of the more undervalued units in the league. And I want to give a shout out to my guy, LJ Sneed. This is a kid that was a fourth round draft pick from Louisiana oh. Tech. And since yeah. day one, I remember watching him that opening night game against the Texans. He has been balling out. He is legitimately a top 10 corner in the league as a rookie and is one of the unsung heroes of this Chiefs defense. Also, props to my guy, Chris Jones. This guy is a super uh, highly paid defensive tackle, and he's had an, a so-so season, but he made his money worth yesterday getting pressure on that last drive as well. And um, the Chiefs are a machine, man. Hopefully, Pat Mahomes will be healthy. But that was the first time in a while where I watched the Chiefs, and my eyes kind of opened to Kenny C's point. I was like, man, this team may just be I was telling you guys, you know, you guys were saying they're no. playing with fire, This, but I just looked at it from the way that Andy Reid and being Amy – with that talent, are going to beat you any which way they can get it done. Yeah. Also, well, too, I would say – I would – go ahead, Cam. Even also, with Mahomes getting hurt. Right. But also, to keep in mind, Kevin um, Kevin Safesky kind of shot himself in the foot, too, in the fourth quarter. When Chai Henney threw that deep ball to um, Tyreek Hill and, you know, you know, the Cleveland side thought that it was an incomplete pass, he challenged it and he lost a time. Yeah. Baker, for some reason, had like a brain fart with like five minutes left in the game. was like uh timeout. So there was only down to one time I left. So that right there kind of was like a game changer. Like, a, I say, kind of changed the whole game plan for Cleveland. So I guarantee, in my opinion, if they would have had those two timeouts back, it would the outcome probably would have been different, in my opinion. I would say this. The fact that Kenny C just said, you know, with Chad Henney, let's not act like Chad Henney played the whole game. Pat Mahomes <laughs> gave them a sizable advantage, well, a course. sizable lead before he got hurt. And the Browns, when you think about the controversial call right before the halftime, when that should have been a flag, if you add up the points, had they got that touchdown, they wouldn't have won. They wouldn't have lost that game. You know, you got to do the mathematics and you got to think about the situation. Yeah, but that and didn't when happen, Chad came in, you know, so they didn't have enough time. That's just what it was. They didn't have enough time to come back. So on the other hand, I would say this. Let's go back to the Browns. I got to give. You know what? This may come off as a surprise to all three of y'all brothers and anybody that watched this show because y'all know how I feel about this guy. You know what, guys? I can't believe I'm saying this today. It's more of the King Day, man. I, I, <laughs> Baker Mayfield, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Wow. I, he made me a fan yesterday. He did. You know, this is wow. a guy that I criticized, said he had no talent. And granted, I still believe he don't have that much talent. But one thing that brother have is heart. And heart travels. And that's exactly what that brother Baker Mayfield showed yesterday. All right, 27 to 37 passing for 204 yards and a touchdown. He had some nice passes in there. He had a 26-yard dime to David Nujoku on the second and 20 in the middle of the field after an offensive P.I., you know? And then he doing a ball to Austin Hooper. Yes, it was a great catch by Austin Hooper on a fourth down. But I'm looking at that play. There was nothing open. But he just threw it and gave his tight end, his big tight end a chance to go make that play. And it was stuff like that that was like, you know what? I can't hate on this brother. One thing I would never ever do in my life is hate on greatness. And when it's warranted, I gotta give the respect where it's due and the credit where it's due. And as much as I got on Baker Mayfield throughout the whole year, I'm now a believer. Baker Mayfield, the Browns, you have yourself. Cleveland, you have yourself your quarterback of the future. Yeah, Leal just stripped strip the whole bed set and put a whole new set on pillowcase and all in riding for Baker now. Yeah, I'll also <laughs> say that um, when you look at this Cleveland Brown team, yes, it was a super frustrating and heartbreaking loss that they easily could have won. But I'll say this, man, for the first time in a while, the Cleveland Browns 
have an identity. I think they've found uh, the right head coach. They have their quarterback. He'll get a little bit of a, uh, of a payday, rightfully so. They have a very good offensive line, have a very good running game, and I think they're not that far away, man. They make some improvements on defense. We're going to get into the Ravens in that division a little bit later. Pittsburgh, who knows what their quarterback is uh, looking like. Cincinnati, they're a young team. Their quarterback is coming off an injury. So if I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, as unfortunate as uh, yesterday's game was, the fact that you not only made the playoffs this season, but won a playoff game, found out that you have a legit coach and a legit quarterback. The future is bright for Cleveland. I give them a lot of credit. And I, I agree with Lil. I was impressed with uh, the Hart Baker show yesterday. Very impressive. Yeah, I was happy overall for the city of Cleveland that they could finally get back there since 1994. That was definitely something to see. And they had a damn good shot. But um, the next topic here to keep the flow moving, Lamar Jackson, is he to blame for that Baltimore Ravens 17-3 Bills Mafia loss? Yeah, I'll start it off here, boys. I mean, look, Lamar Jackson was terrible. I'm just going to flat out say it. He sucked. But I don't think the game was entirely on him. I think it was, <laughs> I think it was a blunt. failure by the Ravens. And my thing with the Ravens is this. If you're asking me, Zach, like, who is the one person to blame for this loss? If I had to choose one person, like, it's the Ravens' front office. And as much as it pains me to say it, because the Ravens were so successful last year, they were very successful throughout the regular season this year. But, like – who, that that passing game, they didn't even show any threat, like nothing. And Wesley Frazier, props to him because he was just like, look, we're going to stack the box with nine. And he looked Lamar Jackson right in the eye and just said, you're not running the damn football. If you want to beat us, you have to throw it. And it ended up working for the Buffalo Bills. I'll give them uh, credit. It was a great uh, game plan. And I think, look, I, the game was crazy, man, because I'm not making excuses here. I don't think the Bills played some great game. I mean, they found a way to win. They deserve credit. That uh, drive to start the second half was very good. But I'll say this. I think if uh, Justin Tucker could make a field goal, and it's crazy because he's been one of the best kick, probably the best kicker in football over the last couple of years, there's a good chance that Lamar isn't uh, forcing that pick six. And once that pick six was thrown, the game was a wrap. I think if I'm the Ravens, you're in a tricky situation because this is a guy that has won you a division title. He's won an MVP. He's led you to the playoffs really three years in a row. And you're going to have to make a decision. And it's funny because I think Lamar is the most athletic quarterback I've ever seen. But I just think he's a phenomenal athlete that happens to play the quarterback position. I don't know if you're going to be able to win the Super Bowl with that kind of game plan and that kind of mentality. So if I'm the Ravens, I'm doing whatever I can to get an Allen Robinson or a Kenny Galladay or draft someone in this class. Because if you have Lamar Jackson as your quarterback, I'm not saying it's impossible to win, but it's tough. You need a lot of different things to go right. And when your number one receiver is Hollywood Brown and Willie Sneed, that's just not enough to get the job done. Baltimore's offensive line was horrible. I'll give some props to the Bills defense and that game plan once again, phenomenal effort. But I think the Ravens are really going to have to possibly look into hiring a new offensive coordinator. I know Greg Roman has done a great job, but those uh, play those, those passing plays were written in crayon. I don't know if they could have been, if they could have been uh, even more basic. So I think it was a very predictable game plan from Baltimore, and I just think the whole organization as a as a whole is blame. Zach, for the first time in history. I finally agree with everything the fuck you're saying, okay? One, first and foremost, I'm going to blame Greg Roman, solely because this offense is too predictable. You get what I mean? You know, as we know, Lamar Jackson, he could kill you with his legs only. I'm not really terrified with Lamar Jackson as a passer. But what I saw yesterday, man, like I said last week, that defense bailed Lamar Jackson out last week. And this past weekend, the defense did their best. They only allowed one touchdown. 
And look what happened. Lamar Jackson and company couldn't, couldn't score a touchdown to save their goddamn life. But honestly, they have to change that whole offensive plan, in my opinion. This is a wing T type of offense, but just in a spread formation. Gentlemen, just to let you know, you know, and, you know, shout out to Leslie Frazier, man, for like, you know, stopping the run yesterday. I mean, stopping the run this past weekend. And I believe that, you know, there need to be changes. Greg Roman got to go. I believe that whoever was Lamar offensive coordinator back in Louisville, I believe he should be a candidate for that Ravens offensive coordinator position if it's a, if it's available. Because I believe that's where Lamar had his best his best years at. You feel me? You know the year where he won the Heisman, the year that he won ACC Player of the Year in back to back years. So that's what I feel that needs to be changed. But overall, man, you know that Ravens team they want to be okay. Just I just believe there need to be some changes on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, um, I agree um, with both of y'all brothers. I, I'm not going to put the whole blame on Lamar Jackson here. Now, granted, like I said um, last week, there were times, even though LeBron, Lamar Jackson, I thought, won them that game with the help of his defense, um, you know, team football, there were times in that game last week and in that game on Saturday where Lamar Jackson just didn't read the defense properly. Um, in the red zone, there was a couple times, once again, he didn't read the defense properly when he threw that interception. So, granted, we know Lamar Jackson has his trials and his tribulations. But Greg Roman and that offensive unit has failed Lamar Jackson mightily because they don't believe in him. So, they play one style of offense because they think that the brother can't sit in the pocket and make those. So, now they spoon-feed the guy, and now they think that going – each week with the same game plan, even in the playoffs, it's acceptable where guys are watching film. They know what you're going to do. Lamar Jackson said it like five or six weeks ago. Defenses are calling our plays. They know what we are doing. When people know what you're going to do and you do the same thing, chances are they're going to come back what you're doing because they know you're doing the same daggone thing. Do you get what I'm saying here? So Greg Woman. He's like a – he's Roman. You know, he's he's Roman times, you know. He's a head coach that, you know, he's not adapting to modern-day football. He's Roman, not right now. So they need to figure it out. The Ravens right now need to hit the reset button with their offense because Hollywood Brown, yeah, the guy's talented, but he should not be a number one wide receiver. It's up for debate if he is a number two wide receiver, you know, on a championship-level team. And you telling me those are the weapons that Lamar Jackson is throwing to? No. So, you know, they got to do something over the offseason. They got to hit the reset button. And with the Bills, like Zach alluded to, man, they haven't looked great. I mean, the, the two playoff games, they haven't looked great, but they didn't need to because they won those games because of poor executions. And their defense. They well, let me ask you this. When you say, um, you, you know, know Zach, games, I was going to get in here. Oh, my bad, my bad. We got a minute. No, left. You're good. So you, can ask, you can ask a question. I'll answer it. Then we come back. We got one yeah, minute. Yeah. Um, my question for you, Will, is this. So when you say uh, the Ravens have to reset, what exactly do you mean by that? Is that moving on from Lamar Jackson, moving on no, from no, 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 Get they need to reset weapons. the offense. Get him more weapons. You know, figure out a, a, a different, more complex play style. A you know, damn not, balanced don't just, playbook. Uh, exactly. <laughs> a, a, a balanced playbook, a new offensive coordinator, and some more weapons. That's what I mean by a reset. A reset because with Lamar Jackson as the leader. I think this is such a fascinating situation for the Ravens because I think when you look at it, Lamar Jackson's contract is going to be up. His rookie contract is going to be up. So they're going to have to make a decision. And obviously, if you're the Ravens, you have no choice but to pay him. But at the same time, I don't know if you could feel comfortable doing it considering what we've seen over the last couple of years. And when we come back from a commercial break, Kenny C is going to give Mm -hmm. us his breakdown of the Lamar Jackson 
and the Ravens lost to the Bills. Yes, sir. Ladies and gents, in the huddle is back to continue with this Lamar Jackson and Baltimore Ravens topic. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm right on a right on board with you guys in the sense that the whole offense is to blame in this game, Lamar included, Greg Roman. I mean, this is something we knew. Like, all right, we, we got hype at the end of the season because the Ravens were looking hot. They were heating up. Um, they were great in the wild card. And then we all forgot, like, before. For that, like, all right, yeah, Lamar's lethal with, with his with his legs. Like, obviously, that's his weapon. He rumbled for 136 yards on the ground against the Titans. But, like, it all comes back to the basis that this offense was predictable the entire season to the point where everybody was saying they, they're not going to make the playoffs now. Like, they were counted out for a period of time. And this is something that's that's gone on, and that's something that I said in particular, like, weeks ago in the sense that if you want to beat a team – like the Chiefs or the Bills, you're going to have to do it through the air if that's what it comes down to. And I know Zach and Leal threw some shade on the Bills saying, you know, it might be too too cold for them to stop rushing attack. But they I, they play in this, in, this, in this shit of practice every damn day. So I knew they were going to be accustomed to the weather. It was just a matter of if they could stop this Lamar Jackson-led rushing attack. And that's what they were able to do. They showed – that when you corner Lamar Jackson to the point where he's in the pocket, unable to move, and he has to throw the ball, he can make a nice throw, but nine times out of ten, the pressure's going to get to him, and he's not going to be able to execute. Obviously, that one that one play to Dobbins, that was a great great um, evading the pressure, getting out, making the throw. Dobbins just, Dobbins just couldn't make the catch. But um, all in all, man, like there has to be some change because Lamar in the biggest moment, end of the third quarter, throws the 102-yard TD interception touchdown. I mean, that just that that blew the whole game out of the water. And then they still had a chance. Let's not discredit this Ravens defense because Martindale dialed up a great defense to keep Allen in check for most of the game. Wind had a factor in the game, obviously, with the kicks from both sides. But all in all, this Ravens defense showed you it's the same damn physical defense, and it's going to keep you in check no matter who you are. They gave Lamar and that offense chances. Way too many third and long situations, just unmanageable situations for Lamar and an offense to execute. And then the center obviously has the botched snap, and Lamar ultimately gets hurt after that. So all in all, they, they got to address this in the offseason. Like Leal said before the break, you know, we came to terms with the fact that they need to get a balanced offense going. This is this is not college. You can't be running the ball like this, running these these crazy – read options, this and that. Like, it's it's not – it's going to get predictable, and it's shown. But yeah. credit to Bill's Mafia, man. And one he thing said, about the playoffs – oh, go ahead, my fault. No, that's it. And, and one thing about the um, playoffs is that when you look at these high-powered offenses, and I noticed this trend in playoffs, right, when you get to the playoffs, the game slows down. You know, it's, it becomes more like a chess match. You know, when the Saints, for example, I'm going to use a couple of examples. The Saints versus the Buccaneers. They ran through them the first two games. This game was a chess match. Drew Brees didn't look that great. Tom Brady didn't have these eye-popping yards, only 198 yards. It became a chess match. You know, Green Bay, I would assume, when they go up against the Tom Brady Buccaneers, I'm not picking who wins that game. I'm going to save that for later in the week, but it's going to be a chess match. So when you are in a chess match, you have to be able to play well. You have to have good special teams. When you saw my guy Justin Tucker miss those field goals, that changed the outcome of the game. Because had they made those two field goals, 
we could be looking at a totally different game. Who knows? We won't ever get to figure that out because he missed those two field goals. So we can't know what would have happened after that. And then Lamar Jackson got hurt. So when you have a guy like Lamar Jackson on your team, you need to make sure the team around him is great. You need to make sure the special teams is good. You need to get him some wide receivers, some weapons, and you need to have a balanced play calling so the defense won't be predicting everything that's happening at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, um, and with that, we'll move into the final topic here on the show. The Green Bay Packers defeated the L.A. Rams 32-18. to Immediate reactions is that Professor Leal was unfortunately wrong with his history lesson in a sense that the number one defense has beaten the number one offense four out of the seven matchups since 1990. I, I never want to go history, brother. History and the fact that a playoff high and that a playoff bye will affect their rhythm. Well, I'm here to tell you, Professor Kenny C, the reason there's a reason why the hist- that history is called the past, my man, and that's because it can change in the present. And Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, with a pretty strong showing from the defense, shows you that they can do big things at home. At home. That number one Rams defense that everybody boasted about going to this game, Aaron Rodgers better watch out. The pressure's going to get there. You know, this and that. And, and it, it was kind of taking, taking the spotlight or should have been balanced, but more so taking the spotlight off the Packers and how good their damn offense is. Look at these stats right here. The Rams defense after this season, average. Average points per game, 19. The Packers throw up 32 on their heads. Total yards, 281. Packers throw up 477. Rushing yards, 113. The Packers rumbled for 189. And finally, passing yards, 191 was their average Rodgers amassed that, 288. And one thing that I said going into this game was that Aaron Jones needed to get implemented, and that's what they did. They ran the damn rock down this Rams great defense's throat. Ramsey was exposed a couple times. He was afraid to stay on Devontae for the entire game. Granted, the scheme could also be a factor, but in the end, you're choosing who you're going to go up against on, on different plays. And all in all, Green Bay just had a dominant game. LaFleur easily his best coach game of the season. Completely outcoached um, D coordinator on the Rams, completely forgetting his name right now. Staley, yeah. Staley, but and he just got a new job as well. Um, but, yeah, man, just a great job by Green Bay all in all. Total team effort in the frozen tundra. Zach, man, wanna, you brought, oh, go ahead. I just want to – I want to shift the rules a little bit. I'm sorry if I'm bending and breaking the rules. You know, it happened a couple of times on the show. I guess today is my day to do it. Oh, sorry, Zach. I'm going to let you oh, get boy, right in here. But when somebody's out here calling my history lessons and saying I'm a dad, I mean, the lesson was a bust. Question my job, you know, of me being a professor, then I got to come back and attack who attacked ahead, me. Brother. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. First of all, they're all exceptions to history. Well, we in a pandemic. Was that planned in the history books? No, it just oh, happened. Oh, don't give me All that. Right? The yes. pandemic started when the Rams, Aaron Donald, couldn't even breathe. That brother wasn't even playing throughout the whole game. That brother was not even 75% of himself. He was locked the hell right? up in the snaps so, he was on the field. I'll he's not healthy, that. though. He's not healthy. Locked so up. that same Rams defense that we saw shut out Russell Wilson last week was not that same Rams defense. Another it's- thing, too. When you look Aside at offensively, from Donald, it was. So that's just you, you wrong. See, you see, Kenny, see, I'm not loving the love, my brother. I'll let you disrespect me, my brother. Let me get in this. It now. wasn't disrespect. It was just correcting something. All right. 
All right, all right, let's look at the other side of the ball. Jared Goff, yeah, he played all right considering the fact that he had an injured pinky, but his number one wide receiver, Cooper Cup, was out too. So we all knew that offense oh, so was lackluster, not blockbuster. And on the other side, like I said, there were injuries. That Rams team was hurt going into that matchup. So, yeah, the Packers did they think? I give them that. They did what they were supposed to do. There's no easy victories in football. We all should know that by now. But the Rams were not 100%, and that was not that same Rams. And you cannot tell me with a straight face without smiling or pretending to smile or trying to hide back that smile that that was that same Rams team we saw the week prior. One thing I'll say. Back anything. That pretty essentially was the same team. Donald was still in the game. If he's Donald on the field, he's 70%. going to cause you issues regardless. We're going right, to think a rib injury is going to slow down that man. He was, brother, still in that brother damn was game. he was not even on the, on the even court if, throughout even, the whole game. And the fact that Cup was out, McVay is one of the most creative and dynamic oh, coaches he, in the league. With or without Cup, he's with going to dial it up. You hit me with that. Burkhart said it in the game. Not great. Burkhart right, said it Zach, in the my game. Fault, Zach. I'm going to let you get in here. Yeah, so, okay, I'm in the middle here. One thing I will say is that you're right, Will. Aaron Donald wasn't 100%, but to be honest, I don't think that matters. What I saw from the oh, Packers' offense – they was, blocked the shit out of him the entire game. Yeah, it was super impressive. And look, Aaron Donald's a monster. We get it. He, he clearly wasn't 100%. But at the same time, man, I was so impressed with this Packers offense. The Rams had a good game plan. I think they used Jared Goff well. But there was never really a point in the game where, if as a Packer fan, I would feel uncomfortable. I know at one point they cut it to seven. But I just want to make a couple quick points. Can you see? I love the fact that you brought up my guy, Matt LaFleur. This guy is 20-2 and two at Lambeau since he's become the Packer head coach. And I think uh, – remember we were talking about the, um, you know, who, uh, who's to blame and, you know, who is the, the – it was a segment last week, I believe. We, we were talking about the biggest winners and losers of, of uh, some game. I forgot what it was. But I want to talk about the biggest loser of this game, in my opinion, is the former coach of the Green Bay Packers, Mike McCarthy. Because you guys realize that when you look at this Packers offense – Aaron Rodgers was on the Packers two years ago. So was Devontae Adams. So was Aaron Jones. So was a majority of this offensive line. And there was just the opposite of creativity in that McCarthy Packers offense. You look at Matt LaFleur, the Packers are out here putting men in motion on 70% of the snaps. Super impressive, super impressive game plan. And I wanted to say this as well. When I look at this Green Bay Packers defense, man, I wanted to give a quick shout out to them because they made the necessary plays that they had to make in order to win this game because the Rams, uh, it was close throughout the game. I understand the Packers felt comfortable, but they could if they could have if they would have broken, then maybe the Rams tie the game and the game goes to OT and who knows what happens. But the Packers defense didn't let that happen. Are they the best unit in the league? No. And I'm gonna continue um, what I said last week. I think this Green Bay Packers squad is really starting to remind me of the 2019 Chiefs, a team with an elite head coach. And yeah, I said it. I think Matt LaFleur is an elite head coach. All that, that guy does is win games. And Aaron Rodgers is a different player since he's gotten there. So big props to Matt LaFleur, elite coach, elite quarterback, and a defense that is starting to peak at the right time. Kenny Clark, the Smith brothers, Jair Alexander, very good performance. I'm super impressed with Green Bay. I mean, man, what I saw from this game this past weekend was Matt LaFleur, you know, called a great game plan. Can't even pronounce the brother name. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Matt LaFleur, he called a great it's game plan. It's a hard plan. French name to pronounce. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You feel me? I believe, like, he called a great game plan against that Rams defense. You know, pretty much he went on based on what the Rams defense gave him. If the Rams, you know, defense were playing off coverage, you know, he either ran the ball or, like, went quick game. 
and he kind of caught them off guard. And the best play, the best play of the game was when they kept going quick game, quick game, or no huddle, I would say. I love how the Rams defense played up, which led to the play action. And that's how Rodgers was able to throw um, Lazar down the field for the, uh, for the, you could pretty much say the game sitting touchdown. And that's what I love. I just love the way that, you know, LeFleur called the game plan, you know, you saw what the defense gave him, and he just torched. He just torched that Rams D. Even though that Aaron Donald wasn't 100%, I still believe, like, you know, every, everything that was, you know, that was executed pretty well. And and one more final thing. Green Bay, I believe, had the most pressures on Goff, most pressures on the quarterback that they've had all season. So they're getting hot at the right time. Patton is maybe somewhat getting some damn sense back into his head. I give him the Titans game week week 17. He coached a solid game there. But that was a great job by the pass rush to get to Goff, get in his face. Clark had a big sack. Zadarius Smith had a big sack. So they played their part well. And I will say this. Next week is going to be a hell of a game. And we're going to preview that on Thursday or Friday. Um, but, fellas, this has been another solid episode. I just want to say I always cite my sources. So – when I'm giving a history lesson, my brother, just know oh, this there's man. facts behind it. That's all I'm going to say. It was obvious facts, but history gets changed, and that's what happened yesterday. And we'll see what happens next week Next week with history, because history tells me that Tom Brady, the GOAT, won all the daggone smoke. It's Lambeau Field, baby. Bring it on. Let's I don't go. care if it's Lambeau Field. Field. Not Tom Bring it on Brady to the frozen the tundra. It's It'll Tom Brady versus the daggone Packers. Bring it on. A. Yeah. Rogers. Ready. Well, I just wanted to say before we get out of here, man, like I think we've been destined since that week five game for this Buck Packer uh, NFC championship game. And I can't wait. And oh, yeah. I, it's funny. Um, the Saints and Bucks play in the playoffs. Those are two teams that we've been discussing really, uh, you know, since before the season started. And uh, I think this is an appropriate NFC championship game to say the least. I can't wait. Yes, sir. And there's one more thing yes, I want to say. In the movie, The Warriors, you yeah, already know that's my favorite movie of all time. Those who know me, know me well. Kenny C, I know you know that for sure. Yep. And um, there was a, a, a part in the movie when The Warriors, right, when they supposedly, allegedly shot Cyrus, even though those who watched the movie. No, he didn't, they, The Warriors didn't shot Cyrus. It was The Road. But the radio host played by Leon Thinkpin played, played a song when they was out looking for The Warriors and the hit was put out in The Warriors. And it was like this, nowhere to run. Nowhere to hide. That's the Packers. The Buccaneers is looking at the Packers. Like, nowhere to run. Nowhere to hide. All I can say is Zach and Cam know where this, where this is from. Famous post-game interview after they beat the Patriots. Can't wait. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Yes, sir. See y'all next week. All right, boys. Have a good one.